Before we get into the episode, we want to take a minute to acknowledge the ongoing trauma that Black folks face in the U.S. as a result of state violence. We also want to uplift what folks of color have been saying for years. It doesn't have to be this way. We can invest in and create futures where everyone is valued, safe, and has everything they need to survive and thrive. We can all choose to invest in community. But it takes more than adding the right hashtags on your post and reading the right books. It takes investment of time and money into orgs that are doing the work. So in our show notes, we'll be including some information about mutual aid, as well as links for orgs that are local to us. We encourage you to check out orgs in your area, run by folks of color that support and uplift marginalized communities. The show notes will be on our website, justgoalwithitpod.com, under the episodes tab. From there, you can get to the extended show notes for this episode, where we'll provide those links. Black lives matter, and we need to actively work to deconstruct the systems that devalue them. The work is ongoing, but for now, we'll move on to the episode. Just Go With It is a podcast hosted by two millennials who swear. And also, it's about horror films, so listener discretion is advised. We will put specific content warnings in the show notes. Boo! Hello, and welcome to Just School With It, a podcast where we talk about how society influences our favorite, and sometimes least favorite, horror movies. And today we're talking about The Blair Witch Project! Uh, I'm Nikki, by the way. I'm Kate. And today, we're going to start this a little different and take a okay. shot for our favorite character. Well, my favorite character. Oh, and mine. This is for you, Heather Donahue. Heather Donahue. I love you. She makes a funny face when she takes a shot, so we're doing it for her. Oh, Well, that was a shot. That was good stuff. Huh. That was... Yep. That's for you, Heather. <laughs> for you, Heather. <laughs> okay, so yeah, we're talking about Blair Witch Project. Um, we're talking about the original. I know there's a remake. We're not gonna probably spoiler alert, we're not gonna do the remake next episode. No. <laughs> Been there, done that. Um, but are you ready for a few facts? I am so ready. I'm so excited. Okay. Well, let me get to them, because I took real notes this time. Oh, my God. I know. It's it's wild. Um, okay. So, <clears throat> it was directed by Daniel Myrick, or Myrick, and Eduardo Sanchez. Um, so, they did it together, and they wrote it together, I believe, as well. Um, they both haven't done, like, a ton of stuff, but Daniel Myrick did, like, Believers, Solstice, The Objective, and Skyman. I don't know if you know any of those. Sure don't. I didn't either. Um, but Eduardo Sanchez did Altered, Seventh Moon, Lovely Molly, VHS 2, and Exists. So Ooh, the only one VHS, I knew on that okay. list. Yeah, yeah. I knew VHS 2. So I was like, okay. Um, so they both wrote it. Um, it was a screenplay that was that they wrote, but technically all of the dialogue was improvised. Yeah. Isn't that wild? Okay, I didn't know if you knew that, but I was like, that was crazy to me. Um, it was also only 20 hours of footage. So, yeah, and then they cut it down. Uh, it had three cast members. Well, I mean, like, they were other cast members, but there were three main cast members that they followed the whole time. So we had Heather Donahue, who we just talked about. That one's for you, Heather. Um, so she was, like, she heard about the, you know, the audition, and she went, and it was basically just, we need someone who can improvise, and she was like, you got it, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, and she went on... The- oh, sorry. No, what? They asked her a question. 
And Did they? like they said that the interview or like the audition starts when you walk in the door. Oh. And so she walked in and they said, you're about to be out on parole after killing your child. Why should we let you go? Oh, my God. And she responded, you shouldn't. <gasps> Heather. OK. Heather. Big fan of Heather. Yeah. Um, so Heather uh, went on to do like a few things, not a, too many things, just like a few acting credits. But guess what she does now? You might already know. But guess what? I don't remember. She uh, grows medical marijuana. Oh, go yeah. Heather. So she like wrote a book about it and how to like get started and like everything that you do. And yeah, so like good for her. Hell yeah, Heather. She quit Hell acting, Heather. I think, in 2008. And she was like, I'm out. I'm going to go grow some weed. Um, Hashtag Hell yeah, Heather. <laughs> Hashtag Hell yeah, Heather. Everyone yep. use it. Everyone. Hashtag yeah. Hell yeah, Heather. Um, and then we have Michael C. Williams, who obviously played Michael. Um, he was on an episode of Law and Order after this. Um, good for him. I feel like I feel like that's an acting like you gotta, you know, like that's mm-hmm. something all actors are like, well, you gotta be on Law and Order. So he's on Law and Order. Um, and then I believe he gave up acting. Um, so he manages a theater in New York called the Big Blue Door Theater, and he's a guidance counselor and he teaches acting classes. Adorable, right? <laughs> and so I know he was like playing a character, but he really was like trying to be the voice of reason. At he was, he points. was. So I can see him he as was a little sweetie, right? Yeah, yeah. So good for Michael. And then Josh, he uh, he did the most acting after this. Um, so he the last film he did was Unsane, which is like another like horror film. Um, it was I remember when it came out. It was pretty popular. So he's in that. He's married to Allison Pill. Who? Okay, so if you don't know Alice Pill, she, uh, you will have to say this. She played Kim in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Oh. Or vs. whatever. Scott Pilgrim. She played Al- uh, Allison is her real name, but she played... What did I just say? Uh, Kim. Kim. I know the movie. Everyone shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, she's also in that new show on Amazon Prime, Them. That like new one that just came out. Them? So yeah, he's he's married to her. Yeah, it's hmm. called Them. I don't know, but... She's in that. And you know what? Good for them. Not good the show, them. but good for the, the couple. <laughs> um, yeah. And then their budget was only like, I don't think I wrote down the exact number because I couldn't find it on the 60, page. 60,000. Was it 60,000? Okay. That's what the last article I read. Because when 60, I, okay, when I read it, I, I saw like 100,000, but mm. I think 60,000 sounds more correct. Um, but they did make like like a million some dollars like in oh, box yeah. office so like they really made it back i don't think they were expecting it to be so wild but it also yeah. was said to revive the found footage like genre because we're gonna get were... into that yeah i i kind of assumed i was like kate's got something cooking <laughs> but yeah apparently it like revived it and i was like well that's neat so yeah okay this means it, it, this was a quick one we're already ready for kate's nerd corner and i'm so but you excited you didn't give me a summary yet oh no <laughs> <laughs> I was so I was You're riding just the high. To slide under the radar. I was. I was riding the high of last episode where I didn't have to give one. Oh my god, Kate, this one's gonna be bad. It's gonna be great. Okay, okay, you ready? Okay. So it's these three people. <laughs> one of them really wants to make a documentary, and then the other two are helping. And one of them films. They do have to return a camera. I remember that's, like, a big issue <laughs> for some reason. But, yeah, okay, so one of them is making a documentary and the other two are helping. It's Heather. Heather's making the documentary. Um, and they're going to this town, which, you know, I should know the name of. But... Burkittsville. It's Burkittsville. Okay. I'm going to edit yours out and call it Burkittsville and say that I knew. <laughs> Burkittsville. Um, they, they go to this town and they're interviewing, like, 
people in the town and you know they're all like oh the Blair Witch oh scary scary and they tell him like I guess she killed kids or something but then and then I kind of feel like they said that there was like an actual person on trial for killing the kids I was very confused at this point <laughs> I'm sure it was probably explained well and I just zoned out or something but kids were killed and it wasn't cool and everyone blamed the Blair Witch so they're like well we're gonna go find the Blair Witch so they go into the woods and apparently they only planned for two days of camping, which, no, you got to plan for more just in case. So they planned for two days of camping. Whoops. And they parked their car on the side of the road, which, I mean, I guess it's the 90s, but geez, I don't know. There's got to be a parking lot. Were there no tow trucks back then? No tow, right? They were just like, that's fine. Whatever. So they left their car. They go into the woods. Every time they go to bed, there's like some weird shit that happens and they're not into it, which who would be in the woods, you know? And Heather just won't stop filming and they keep getting lost, even though Heather like insists she knows where she's going, which I believe her. Um, Yeah. And they get lost and bad stuff happens. And eventually one of them, you know, disappears. And I think they find his tongue. I couldn't tell. But they do find something in a gross, bloody bag. Um, And then, you know, they go to a basement and things don't go well. And I think that's the whole movie. That's a really great summary. Thank you. And uh, (laughs) my best yet. Tongue. Oh, what is it? (gasps) Well, you got the general area of the body There was uh, totally was a, a thing in there. His finger. Ooh, I thought it That's was his tongue. <laughs> one of the articles I read said it was his finger. Uh, yes. When I watched it, I could only, like, clock the teeth. I didn't even see the teeth. I just looked and I was like, well, that's a tongue. Clock <laughs> the teeth sounds like an indie band. Don't lead with the teeth and clock the teeth, you know? Yep. yep. You're either team clock the teeth or your team don't lead with teeth. It's up yep. to you. Choose now. Choose, choose wisely, too, because this is going to be the rest later. of your life. Mm-hmm. What are you, Kate? I'm clock the teeth. Yeah, I'm definitely don't yeah. leave the teeth. So I, I kind of saw that coming. Balance. Yeah. 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 Um. Okay, whatever. I read my summary. And by read, I mean off the dome. I said it. <laughs> now you <laughs> read one. Wondrous. Thank you. This is from Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. Found footage. Nope. <laughs> this goes well every time. Every fucking time. <laughs> Found video footage tells the tale of three film students, Heather, Josh, and Mike, who have traveled to a small town to collect documentary footage about the Blair Witch, a legendary local murderer. Over the course of several days, the students interview townspeople and gather clues to support the tale's veracity. But the project takes a frightening turn when the students lose their way in the woods and begin hearing horrific noise. So I nailed it, I think, on that one. Oh, you absolutely did. You got the teeth, kind of. teeth? You got sort the of? getting lost in the woods. Getting lost in the woods is a really big plot point. Well, if I missed that, then I didn't watch the movie. I would have to be honest at that point. <laughs> I mean, come on. Um, yeah, you know, I think my summaries are nice because I always add in just a little bit of flair. Like, mm-hmm. I give you the info you don't need, but you kind of want, you know? <laughs> oh, everyone wants it, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, we've got the summaries, which I forgot about, and I'm so mad that you remembered. But it's time. Ah. Now for real. For Kate's Nerd Corner. Yes. Okay. So previously I've talked about cultural influences that shaped the movies mm-hmm. or audience reception of movies. Mm-hmm. Today, I want to talk about the other end of that. Audience reception and how the movie shaped the industry or <gasps> cemented itself into popular memory. Yeah. So to get in the weeds for a minute on tropes. So just 
basic primer on tropes in storytelling. A trope is mm-hmm. like shorthand for a concept that an mm-hmm. audience is familiar with and will recognize and understand instantly. And they are culturally dependent. Right. It can take the form of a plot trick, setup, character type, etc. But if it's an established convention, where did it begin? To answer that, we have a few different ways of looking at the origin of a trope. And this is where I had to Google how to pronounce in German. <laughs> because what is one in of store them for us? Is the Ur tr- example. The Ur example. Ur. So it's spelled U R. And I was like, Ur, got oh. it. Bam. Ur, no. done. That was easy. <laughs> Why look it up? Simple. <laughs> I'm American. I can speak any language. So uh... <laughs> we're the worst. We truly are the worst. Oh, we're truly the worst. Yeah. <laughs> so the Ur example, the trope maker, and the trope codifier. So the Ur example is the first known use of a trope, intentional or not. The trope maker is the first intentional use of the trope. Mm-hmm. And the trope codifier is the shining example of the template provided by the trope, and therefore the model that other iterations of this trope follow. So where does the Blair Witch Project stand in terms of shaky cam and found footage? Can't wait to find out. Generally, the 1980 horror film Cannibal Holocaust... <laughs> yeah! Mm-hmm is viewed as the first use of found footage. I was going to mention that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. but it's Blair Witch Project that popularized it. Mm -hmm. For that reason, TV Tropes has Blair Witch Project as the trope codifier. The movie that created the template and is often seen as the model for other found footage-style films that utilize shaky Mm -hmm. cam. And looking at the marketing of Blair Witch Project, we might even (gasps) see the example of creepypasta. Creepypasta. So, while horror fans Mm -hmm. tend to know what I'm talking about when I say creepypasta, everyone may not. So I'm pulling a definition straight from the FAQ of creepypasta.com. Thank you, creepypasta. So. Thank you, creepypasta. Creepypasta are essentially internet horror stories passed around on forums and other sites to disturb and frighten readers. The name creepypasta originally comes from the word copypasta, an internet slang term for a block of text that gets copied and pasted over and over again (laughs) from website to website. Creepypastas are sometimes supplemented with pictures, audio, and or video footage related to the story typically with gory, distorted, or otherwise shocking content. Spooky. Yeah, so Slender Man was creepypasta. And there's a really cool podcast episode, because I'm always mm-hmm. going to come in with a podcast rack. Love it. Uh, Spirits, an episode of oh, Spirits okay. with Jenna Stieber mm-hmm. from Polygon. Uh, she yeah. talks about uh, creepypasta. And if you really want an in-depth look from someone who has a master's degree in media and culture with a specialization in horror media and video game cultures, check out that episode of Spirits with Jenna Stieber. Good stuff. Yeah, I, I love she's her. Good. She's amazing. Oh, she's um, amazing. Creepy pasta's buck wild. I still don't understand the word, like the pasta. Where does the pasta part oh, come from? So copy paste. So it was originally oh. copy paste a, uh, where oh, but that... it became understood and read as pasta. Why didn't I just? <laughs> I didn't know that. I googled all these things. <laughs> I got, in my head, I was like, I know this has something to do with spaghetti. I'm just not thinking hard enough. <laughs> Turns everything comes down to spaghetti everything if you draw the lines long spaghetti. enough if everything you just boils down to enough. spaghetti <laughs> <laughs> i love spaghetti um i was I'm also just warm on spaghetti okay well we'll get yeah, there I know. <laughs> we'll get there i know we can't agree on everything but we'll get there on spaghetti um i know you were just talking about another podcast but i also listened to and I'm sure it's covered on, like, a ton of other podcasts because there's a lot of them. But I listened to it, and that's why we drank. And they did an mm. episode about the true crime thing that happened because of a creepypasta. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming you know the story. Stabbing. The Slender Man Stabbing. Which, it's wild that a story that is not real and was invented by somebody can be taken so 
out of context and wild on the internet that like people believed it so hard they were willing to stab someone. Yeah. And that's wild. And I'm I'm sure that that's, you know, that's going to happen. You put something on the internet, it's going to go far enough that someone's going to believe it. But it's just wild to think that, you know, a story about a creepy tall man in the woods, someone was like, well, I believe that and I'm going to kill for it. Wild. Yeah, wild. it's a wild story. And I'm because I am one of those people that listens to at least five true crime podcasts. Right. I actually listened to it the other night, uh, Morbid Podcast. Oh, oh I also listened to that Yep. yep. So yeah. I've listened to a lot of the retelling of the Slender mm-hmm. Man stabbing, and it's just absolutely wild. It's, it's kids. It's kids, and it's just, yeah, it was a hard story to listen to just because you're like, oh, my God, they're kids. And I um, think an important thing to remember mm-hmm. is that their brains are not done cooking. Right. I was like, like not until you're those in your kids 20s. aren't done. No. So, like, you know, if anyone's going to believe a story, like, wholeheartedly and act on it, it it's going to be kids. It's and be kids. And I feel so bad because in the podcast they talked about it, they were like, I bet the author feels so bad. And I was like, well, how could he know? It's not his fault. You know, he entered a story into a contest, won, and then it took off. That's not his fault. That's just, you know. But it is sad because he probably feels bad. And it's like, oh, he didn't do it. But, yeah. Okay. Good. I am I'm feel better now that I understand what creepypasta means it's not about spaghetti it's not I mean, about spaghetti. in my heart At it least, is but... i mean maybe there's a spaghetti story i don't know i'll find it if there is i'll find it i got a nose yeah. for spaghetti <laughs> i got a nose that's... for spaghetti spaghetti nose solomon that's what they call me let's say nikki solomon 2021 <laughs> <laughs> nose for spaghetti <clears throat> okay anyway continue. now we're all on the same page about what creepypasta is yes. but how did it start why am I saying that Blair Witch Project's marketing is potentially the first known example, or at the very least, the inspiration for the genre? Mm-hmm. We actually have to go back to the 50s to get that answer. Whoa! I was not I know. Okay. So, the Blair Witch Project changed the game in terms of viral marketing. Mm-hmm. But horror has used gimmicks before to get audience in theaters. Like the legendary William Castle, who advertised fright insurance for his 1958 movie, Macabre. He oh. literally bought life insurance policies for everyone that saw it, and that if anyone died in their seat from fright while watching, their family got $1,000. Oh, my God. That's that movie? I knew that mm-hmm. this existed, like someone had done this, but I didn't know what the movie was. It was for Macabre. And then he, he did this for a ton of movies. His movies were not like cinematic experiences in that they were quality movies, but they were experiences in that there were these wild gimmicks. So, like, they were that's in theater so experiences funny. for The Tingler. So theater seats were set up with electric buzzers, so, and a female plant in the audience, quote, collapsed into hysterics at the climax of the film, all while the on-screen narrator of the film told them the Tingler had escaped the movie and was in the theater. Stop. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. So we could talk what? for ages about movie gimmicks over time, even just with William Castle, even though he's not the only one that did it. Right. But right now we're talking about the Blair Witch Project. So in this case... The ploy was to get potential audiences to believe that the footage and disappearances were real. Mm-hmm. How did they do this? A mix of online and offline strategies. Mm-hmm. Online, they created a website that was updated regularly with information and timelines on the town, that area of the woods, and the disappearances of the documentary crew. God, that's they a even lot of had fake interviews with the victim's family <gasps> talking about the loss of their children. Oh my God. And the website. Okay, this is great. Not the their real family, right? Like actors. Was you it? No, I don't remember. I'm gonna look I feel into like that it, for you. I, I feel like it wasn't their real family. Probably not. Just because, because like they wanted to create that distance. 
Okay, but like her family. mom, her real mother, Heather, Don- Heather Donahue's real mother, mm-hmm. got sympathy cards. Yep, I have that in my notes. Yeah, yeah, isn't that wild? I looked that it's up and I was bananas. like, what? Mm-hmm. So the website even took footage from the movie that wasn't used in the movie, created digitized stills to use on the website as evidence of journalists looking into the disappearances. Oh my god! So there was this huge amount of creative material being repurposed for marketing. They also planted seeds of legend in online chat rooms and message boards. They exchanged theories, directed people to the website, posted missing person flyers, and more. Oh, that was a lot. And that was only the online stuff. So offline, oh my God. they posted missing persons flyers on college campuses oh. and directed anyone reading them to go to the website for up-to-date information. Yeah, because when it came out at Sundance, they were still passing them out. Yeah. When like it was they were up still at... giving them to people. So I think it's, is it pronounced can? It's C-A-N-N-E-S. Can I think so. Okay. Oh, Canes. Wait, not Canes. So at the French Film Festival. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, we're so cultured. I'm okay. going to be really wrong and they're like, it's Italian, you dumbass. Uh, it's not Italian. I know <laughs> Can't that wait much. to find out. <laughs> I'm pretty uh... sure it's French. So at Cannes, uh, they put up those flyers, but then they yeah. took them down like the next day because there was a disappearance of someone <gasps> on like, a crew and they were like this is in bad taste never yeah. mind well but, like, at least they down. knew to oh be yeah like, okay well let's take that down because i remember when i was reading they gave out flyers at sundance while the movie was like premiering to be like well if you see the movie and you hear anything and i would have been like what the fuck mm-hmm. not only that before the they came out and said like yeah like this is fake when it premiered at sundance it still says like still missing or assumed deceased when it said mm-hmm. the actor's names which is so... Can you imagine watching that for the first time and not knowing and just being like, those people actually died? What the fuck? Like... They committed to it. The IMDb pages for the actors were changed to say yes. that they were dead. Yes. I remember. And, and I, not, yeah. I don't remember. I wasn't there. But uh, I mean, I remember reading about that and being like, I'm sorry? Like, <laughs> that's so much work. I was six when this movie came out. So mm-hmm. I do not recall. <laughs> I, I don't remember the movie. I saw it when I was... I had to have, like, eventually. I didn't see it when it came out, but I saw it eventually in, like, my teens, I think, probably, uh-huh. like, 13, maybe, 12 or 13. And I did briefly, like, think it was real because I didn't know. Like, I didn't, you know, I wasn't online like I am now. Like, I didn't read things. I didn't know. So I was like, is this real? And I was terrified for so long. Then I watched it again when I was probably, like, a little older, like 17, 18. And I remember thinking the movie was so bad. I was like, oh, this movie's stupid. This isn't real. Oh my God, whatever. Then I watched it for this and I was like, fuck, this is terrifying. <laughs> I'm really, it's a roller coaster of emotions for me. Because like now that I've watched so many movies and I can appreciate the small things, I watch this movie and I'm like, fuck, that's scary. We'll talk about that later. But yeah. Oh, for sure. They, they did a good job with this marketing. It was wild. So this came out in 99. Picture yeah. the internet then. The website that they created hit over 20 million views before the movie even aired in theaters. What? Yeah. They also pulled in the underside of the internet that is fueled by conspiracy theories. So they. Yeah. So this was viral marketing. And I do have an an definition. I have a definition of viral marketing because I was like, I use this word. Do I know what it means, though? Do I? No. Read it. (laughs) I'm so ready. So viral marketing or viral advertising is a business strategy that uses existing social networks to promote a product mainly on various social media platforms. Its name refers to how consumers spread information about a project with other people, much in the same way that a virus spreads from one person to another. Oh, spooky. Don't love that. But yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
Um, yeah. Oh, God. So going back to like how they leveraged the internet. Yeah. It was very successful, <laughs> oh, <laughs> which is yeah. why we're talking about it. It was incredibly successful. People flocked to the theater, many believing they were watching a true documentary pieced together from footage that had actually been discovered. Yeah. And this had a huge impact on the lives of the actors, as you mentioned previously. Yeah, I also I knew about this a little bit, too, mm-hmm. which is why I, a lot of them quit. Mm-hmm. And I do want to talk at some point about the unscripted nature of the movie and avenues mm-hmm. for potential trauma with that. Yeah, I also have that written down. Don't worry. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> it's under but my looking, qualms. <laughs> it's under my qualms section. It's under my qualms section. <laughs> but just looking post-release of the movie, Heather's mm-hmm. mother, as you mentioned, received sympathy cards from people who truly believed Heather, Josh, and Mike were lost. And yeah. people walked up to Heather on the street and said, I wish you actually died and said <gasps> they wanted their money back. And she oh struggled with God. that for years. Yeah, I I read that she got some trauma from it, but it, she mm-hmm. didn't specifically say what. So it's interesting to see that people like were upset that the movie wasn't real. Yeah, because if and, she ruined that for them, like, and I feel like a lot of it is how she's set up to be unlikable by like is. the patriarchal gaze. Yes, and which we'll get to because we'll get I to have it. qualms mm-hmm. <laughs> as I mentioned. Poor Heather. Another she, another drink for Heather. Another drink for Heather. Where's my? Don't judge me. I'm drinking white claw. <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'm not just like judge you. I'm just fumbling around in a darkened closet looking for an alcoholic <laughs> beverage. Have you <laughs> seen my white claw? It's somewhere in my closet. So she struggled with that for years, and it got worse when the remake came out. Or like, I don't think it was a remake. Oh. I think it was like a continuation on the saga. Do so you know in when it? Sixteen. Okay, yeah, because I was yeah. gonna. They did make the remake, but I believe it was... No, I think that was a remake. Oh, okay. I just There's know multiple. that it was That's a Blair Witch Project, yeah. They made multiple things where they used, like, footage from the original that they didn't oh. use in the movie to make other ones. So there's, like, three other spinoffs that Heather is in. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. so that's what I thought you were talking about. But no, they did make a remake, obviously, like, without Heather. It was all mm-hmm. new actors and, like, heavy on special effects. Um. So, yeah, I, I, but she was in other ones. So, like. In the remake, they used <clears throat> the name of her father, Donahue. Like, I think it was James Donahue. And yeah. people were like, oh, my God, is that your brother? Because, like, in the remake or reboot, whatever it is. Oh, it might be remake, a yeah. continuation. But either way, uh, it's another telling. Yeah. So they used it as, like, her sibling oh, is now shit. embroiled in it. And they used the name of her father as her brother in this movie. And so people Dude. were like, Heather, do you have a brother named this? And she's like, uh. She just wanted to leave it behind. She's just trying to grow her weed and everyone's like, yeah. um, Heather, I want to talk to you about the Blair Witch. And she's like, I've left that life behind. <laughs> leave I me alone. I have ascended. <laughs> Please. I grow weed and I hang out. Leave me alone. She's killing it. Hell yeah, Heather. <clears throat> hell yeah, Heather. Hashtag hell yeah, Heather. <laughs> and then if you just think, like I mentioned earlier, like imagine the internet in 1989. So mm-hmm. Jessica Ravello, who led a lot of the marketing efforts for the movie, said that the same style of stunt wouldn't work nearly as well today because no. of how experienced people are with the internet. Yeah. So I, I thought about that, too. Uh, you wouldn't get away with this because mm-hmm. so many people could easily search like... You know, like, especially, like, smartphones. And I'm not saying that, like, people would do this, but, like, cast and crew, like, I know that they, like, wouldn't want to post photos, but it would eventually probably get out just on accident. We saw that last week with the great clown panic and Gags the Clown. (gasps) Gags the Clown. Gags the Clown. It'll it'll get around. And so, yeah, there's no way they could do that now. No. 
No, sites like mm-hmm. Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, they make it well, relatively I mean, easy to debunk if people are so inclined to actually debunk right. conspiracy theories. Well, like, think about, like, Paranormal Activity. They did a similar marketing thing with Paranormal Activity. Guess what I'm about to talk about. You're about to talk about Paranormal Activity? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, I'm a genius this episode. You are. Okay, I'll let you take it away. Take it away. So... Uh, it's harder to replicate this type of stuff nowadays for a lot of reasons, like mm-hmm. technology. But also, once one movie does it, it's harder for anyone else to replicate. So they have to come up with new ideas. Yeah. And a lot of folks look at movies like Paranormal Activity mm-hmm. as films that were influenced by the Blair Witch Project and how they were created with their marketing. Right. And Paranormal Activity has a rags to riches <clears throat> type story from the creation <laughs> totally of their movie. Does. Oh, my God. It was. OK, so anywhere from like eleven to 15,000. Was right. how much the budget for the first one, was. Yep. which was great. And I mm-hmm. that's the one that I love because I'd cover it. Yeah. That's also the film that I accidentally almost destroyed at Gateway. We'll get into that at the theater mm-hmm. I worked at. I was running it on 35 millimeter. I definitely almost ruined that film. Sorry. Oh, um, Sorry about it. But I didn't. So it's fine. But yeah, that that one's the one I love. But then the more they go on. It loses its charm. You know, I didn't <laughs> it gets watch that big budget. Ones. Yeah, it's they're not they're not the same. Not quite the same. So they already had that rags to riches story. So mm-hmm. they didn't even try to pretend that it was real. Right. And it would have been less successful to do that. But mm-hmm. they did leverage the internet in a way reminiscent of the Blair Witch Project. Mm-hmm. And they used curiosity and intrigue to drive that. <laughs> so the trailers for the movie only showed audience reactions at screenings. I don't remember, or I don't know if you remember that. But I, I do. remember being yeah. like, you would see on the TV, you... like people reacting to Paranormal Yeah, you would activity. never see the movie. No. So they didn't show clips. And you never got to see what they were reacting to. And you want to be in on the secret. Right. Well, just go to their website and let them know that you want to see it. So on their website, they had a yellow button at the top corner that said, demand it. I think I pushed that button. Mm -hmm. That would update a little ticker that (laughs) said how many people had demanded it in your city and in the U.S. at large. To see if you could get it in your theater, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. I hit that stupid button. I remember this. (gasps) How did I block this out? (laughs) Oh and it was promised that when it reached 1 million demands, it would be released nationally. And it was. And, it and because was. of how little it cost to film, it had a huge return on investment. Oh, yeah. It was absolutely wild. Oh, my God. I cannot believe that they got me so good. Fucking, like, yeah. 17-year-old me was like, I'm going to push that button so fast. <laughs> and I yeah. did. I feel like, uh, how old would I have been? I am not immune to 14-year-old me. Was like I don't want to see it, so I did not press that button. I was like, I do not oh demand God. this. That was like the fastest I've ever pushed a button. Are you kidding me? I was like, I have to demand this. Like, oh, I did not watch <laughs> horror movies in any real capacity <gasps> until undergrad. Oh my God, that's so yeah. funny. I've been watching horror movies since I was like eh, probably mm-hmm. like ten, maybe eleven. <laughs> Every... I was a child of horror films. <laughs> Every year on, like, around Halloween, my dad would put on The Making of Halloween, which is a behind-the-scenes look at, like, the production of it and, like, yeah. pitching it and, like, the music score and stuff. Is music score redundant? Who cares? <laughs> well, people care, and that's valid. I would but never I don't call know. you out. Thank you. You <laughs> can, though. <laughs> ah, yeah. Eventually. <laughs> we'll get to that we'll point. To- Same with spaghetti. We'll get there. <laughs> Same with spaghetti. We'll get there. So I would – I have – I think I might have seen Halloween one time from start to finish, but I've really? seen the making of Halloween at least five times. That is so funny. Okay. I, confession. I've also never seen Halloween. We'll cover it, everyone. Don't yell we'll at us. We'll get to it. Um, okay. So here's a fun fact. Do you mm-hmm. know? So when I used to go to like bed at night, I would always watch like a movie and I had this 
habit of always watching the same movie over and over and over again for like weeks because it would just put me to sleep. Do you want to know two movies that I used to watch as a kid to go to sleep? Of course. I used to watch the movie Dead Alive every night before bed. I had an old, old, old VHS tape of it. Could recite it from memory. Loved it. And you know what the other movie I used to watch was? Fucking From Hell with Johnny what? Depp about Jack the Ripper. Yeah, those are my two go-to-bed movies. I would put them on and be comforted. I'd be like, oh, yes, here we go. But you know what movie used to be in between those? <laughs> a movie a movie called Geppetto. What? <laughs> with Drew Carey playing Geppetto. <laughs> I used to watch Dead Alive from Hell, and then I would watch Geppetto every night before bed. Not all three at the same time. I would watch From Hell for weeks, and then I'd be like, time for Geppetto. I love your brain so much. My brain doesn't work. But no, yeah, it's incredible. That's one of my biggest secrets. Don't tell anyone. Don't, tell me. Don't worry, I won't tell anyone. Good. Don't tell anyone. No, no one will know. This is just between you and me. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to edit and record this and put this on to a, a lot of platforms. <laughs> no, and we're not promoting it to all of our friends. Who I'm not going to make merch that says number one Geppetto fan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man, okay. I love it. So anyway, that's like the tie-in between the right. Witch Project, viral marketing, the beginning of the creepypasta trope because it's not like a text post that was copied right. and pasted as creepypasta mm. is but it was like this leveraging of sharing the story in a lot of different mediums and so i yeah. wouldn't say it's the first creepypasta but i would say that it's definitely an inspiration for the genre 100%. and the way that they replicated by going into like message boards and being like did you hear yeah. this like i mean they literally yeah, just used totally use word of mouth to mm-hmm. like make this movie seem real and it worked because i remember hearing like adults talk about this movie and being like you know i think it might be real like you know yeah. like as a and kid and that's crazy people. there's still people that think it's a snuff film and they hired <gasps> actors to portray the actors to hide the fact that there was actually murder oh my gosh okay mm-hmm. guys come on <laughs> relax <laughs> well what maybe no of course not. <laughs> but what <laughs> if not. but what if but no no Mm-mm. That's... It's like the dark retelling of the, what if we kissed under the bridge? <laughs> what if we kissed? Just kidding. Unless? <laughs> what if we got lost in the woods and a witch took over? I'm just kidding. Unless? Unless? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. That's so, that's wild. I Their marketing was oof, so cool. Yeah, yeah. So that's my examination of how Blair Witch Project kind of changed the game. It totally and introduced did. a lot of different ideas and... It wasn't, like, the original found footage. No. But it changed the market for found footage. I, yeah, I think especially because of when it came out, yeah. Because, like, they could market it to make it seem like actual found footage a lot easier than any other time. That's so cool. And, okay, <sighs> so this is jumping real quick from, like, A to B. <laughs> but we talked earlier about the way that it was filmed mm-hmm. and how it was improvised. And I found a quote. Yeah. from Heather Donahue about the way that they were handled as actors. Yes. And I thought it was really interesting. I, uh, yeah. So in an interview with Vice, Donahue said, they let us know that our safety was their concern, but our comfort was not. Oh. We knew it was definitely going to be 24-7. We knew that it was going to be uncomfortable. We knew that it was going to be about a witch. 
We knew that every time we got notes from them, they were designed to generate conflict, and we knew that we should keep the cameras running as much as possible. Yikes. Yeah. And so I'm sure you know this, but, like, (sighs) they weren't given, like, a script. They were given a GPS device saying, go to this coordinate at this time. And then they found the, like, Blair Witch, like, children hanging from trees that the crew had set up. And they weren't told that at night, like, little child sounds were going to be played on the campsite. Dude, the part that fucked me up the most was when the tent gets hit. Like, something's, like, hitting the tent. That's, and that part <sighs> messes me up. Which is so... I, I, I'm, we're talking about horror now. Everyone, we've moved on. It's time. Oh, yeah. Um, no more Nerd Corner. Only no more horror. Nerd Corner. It's time. I, I, so when I was younger and I saw this movie, like I said, remember I saw it three times. First time, mm-hmm. I was like, this is real. Oh, my gosh. Second time, I was like, this movie's lame. Like, I don't like this movie. Like, whatever. Seeing it now as an adult who goes camping quite frequently and works oh, yeah. at a camp like in the middle of the woods, there were so many things that I was upset about. Uh, the the hitting the tent, I've had ca- like I worked at a camp that was like I'm not gonna say haunted, but like kind of haunted. So not gonna say haunted, but it was definitely haunted. It was a little haunted. Um, but we had kids who would often complain that their tent, that the vinyl on their tent was being slapped at night, because. And, like, usually this would be, like, oh, like, whatever, it was another kid, right? Okay, but there were only four kids in my unit, meaning all four were in that one tent, and all four of them woke up and said, someone's slapping our tent. Who else could it be? Literally nobody. We were the furthest campsite away from the entire summer camp. Like, we were called Deep Woods because we were the deepest in the woods. Hate that. Yeah, so when they said that, I, I as a counselor, your instinct is to be like, okay, well, let's calm them down. As a human, my instinct was like, we got to get the fuck out of here. We got to go. <laughs> we got to go. So, yeah, so that was terrifying. So when they did that in this movie, I was like, been there, don't love it. Because where can you go? Like, it, it's a tent. Where do you go? If they're hitting your tent, they're there. Like, they're there. That is your <laughs> they one know how you have refuge. to leave. They know. So, yeah, that freaked me out. Oh, and it was also, you know how I feel about camera shots and this and that. Obviously, this one put a lot of trust in the audience, like Mm. I said before, because, like, it's shaky. It's hard to see sometimes. It's blurry. It's a lot of things. But you're still scared because you can't see super well. You can't see anything. Whatever's hitting the tent, you're seeing just as much as they are. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's so cool. Like, yeah, that's so and that's cool. that's immersion. Yes, exactly. And I think that's why I didn't appreciate it so much as a kid. It's just because I was like, well, where are the jump scares? I was like, where's the big monster? You know, like, I was so upset by not seeing the witch. But then as you get older, you're like, not seeing it's worse. Because yeah. then I'm like, I don't know how to figure this out. I don't know how to fight it. That's one of the tropes where it's nothing <sighs> is scarier. And it's not saying, like, nothing's scarier than this. It's saying... Having nothing, nothing is scarier because it's like you never <sighs> see the monster. I gotta get you my never notes. see the titular Blair Witch. Like, you never actually see a monster. That, and that, I think, is my favorite part about yeah. it is because so many movies, obviously bigger blockbuster movies, they rely on, like, jump scares. Like, that's how it is. And this one had zero. I mean, there yeah. wasn't a moment that you were experiencing anything that they weren't 
So you don't get that moment of like, oh my gosh, like you're just experiencing it with them and it sucked. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's that confusion and like going back to the clown stuff, it's that oh. uncertainty and ambiguity where yeah. you're like not sure where it's like, did we hear that? Did we not? Yeah. And then like some of them are denying it because it's easier for them to say, no, 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 there are not children screaming in the woods oh right now God. than to acknowledge that something that you don't understand is happening. Yeah. Um, there was a part in the movie where Heather is, you know, giving her like famous interview and she says, I'm scared to close my eyes. I'm scared to open them. And that yeah. was my favorite line in the whole movie because I was like, I felt the exact same way because mm-hmm. I was like, one, if I close them, will I miss something? But then I was like, but if I keep them open, I don't I don't want to know. Yeah. Like, I don't want to see what has been upsetting me this whole time because then I have to deal with it. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I thought that was great. And if that was improv, hell yeah, Heather. Hashtag hell yeah, Heather. Chef kiss to you Hashtag again. Hell yeah, Heather. We love what her. Hashtag hell yeah, Heather. Basically told her for that scene was they uh-huh. handed her a camera and they said, you know that you're going to die. This is oh. your goodbye to people. Oh, my god. And gosh. she just improv it. Which... And this is another movie where I feel like they they didn't consider the actors as much as they mm-hmm. should have. And I know we already yeah. talked about this a little bit, but that is one of my biggest things that I get upset about is when directors and people who are making the movie don't consider how this will affect actors long term. Mm, yeah. I feel like people are like, well, the actors are here to act. We're going to make them act. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, but they have to carry the things that you're giving them longer than just this scene. And I don't like that. And so I feel like they purposefully kind of tortured them a little bit. They purposefully got them lost. Yeah. They purposefully created conflict with the three of them. And that's so upsetting. They also I, started ugh. withholding food where it's like they Nuh-uh. did not starve them, but they like cut back on the amount of food they gave them. And so like they had safe words. Their safe word with the crew, I think, was bulldozer. And I think if I'm remembering correctly, their safe word among the cast was taco. Uh-huh. And so there was one night where, like, it was pouring rain and their tent filled with an inch of water. Oh, my God. And they were like, fuck it. We're actors. We're not actually going to camp in this. And so they were, like, yelling on the radio, bulldozer, bulldozer. But uh, the crew didn't hear it because they are out somewhere else. And so the cast hiked to, like, no. a cabin. And then the male actors are like, if a strange man knocks on the door in the middle of the night. No one's going to answer. You have to go up. So they sent Heather up. <gasps> and she said, hi, we're actors pretending we're lost in the woods, but we're not lost in the woods. Can you help us? And oh, those people let them God. inside. <laughs> I mean, and they ended up getting put into a hotel that night. But Good for them. Yeah. But, like, see, it's that kind of thing. Like, I'm like, you can immerse your actors. And I understand that, like, you want them to be in the moment and understand what they're doing. But there's a limit, like, mm-hmm. and it, it just upsets me sometimes where I'm like, you, you could do permanent damage, like, you really yeah. can, and I don't think, like, obviously, I think we know that now, but there were a lot of directors back then who would just do whatever they could to get the movie, and I'm like, <coughs> Stanley Kubrick, <coughs> yeah, Stanley Kubrick, and I think about poor Shelley Duvall all the time, mm-hmm. she, she was an amazing actress, and yeah. she pretty much quit, like, after The oh, Shining, God, because it fucked that. her up. I, I think she did a few more things, but, like, she went into hiding. Like, her last interview that she did was, like, recently, like, not that long ago. And that was the first time people have heard of her from her in a very long time because she was like, yeah, I, I, uh, this movie was bad for her. And because the director treated her like shit yeah, to get a reaction. And then that 
inspired, not inspired, but like made it seem okay for the other male actors to treat her similarly. And I could go on and on about it, but we're not doing The Shining. We're doing Blair Witch. But similarly, they they did yeah. that with these actors where it was like, yeah, well, they're just actors. They're people. <laughs> yeah. And so they said, like, the actors are truly tired. The actors are truly hungry. The actors have wet feet. Like, these were things that they were actually experiencing in the time so that they I'm would improv it. Like, I'm glad that they had a safe word. I understand that. But like you just said, like, that night that they didn't hear them. Mm-hmm. that should have been a priority you should have had somebody ready to be like all yep. right like we got to make sure that we're there for them mm-hmm. so as much as i love this movie and i i can feel their emotions from it 100 percent. you know take care yeah. of those people please like <laughs> i don't yeah. want to watch something and be that bad <laughs> and something that really bummed me out about like the interview that i read with heather donahue yeah is like merging these two sections of like the way they're treated and also the way that specifically heather yes. is treated in the popular consciousness yes she says i won the razzie for worst actress that year and i think that was partly because of the character being judged rather than the performance she was a very driven woman who didn't yes. wear mascara and was on camera in 99 and here's the funny thing you know how she, you said she just won the best award for worst actress, right? Yep. She also won awards for best actress. Yeah. Same year. Like, mm-hmm. it was just so funny that, like, people were like, her performance was bad. And then other people were like, no, her performance was great. Yeah. Her performance was all completely, like, improv. And she had to be, basically, she was there to be, like, hated. Yeah. She was not set like, up to succeed. Where, like, they're being gaslit by the Blair Witch. And so she is being mistrust or not trusted right. by her companions. And because I don't know for sure what is happening, you're not supposed to. Yeah. In and the remake, um, the trees move. Like, that's what happens and that's why they get lost. And I wonder if this is similar because at night you can hear the, like, cracking of the trees and it sounds, oh. like, really loud to them. And I'm like, in my head, I was like, oh, that's the trees moving. That's why Heather can't read the map. Wild. Because trees are moving and things are moving and they're not in the same place that they were before. And that is all made to make Heather look bad, pretty much. Where it's... Like, Mike is like, you got us lost yesterday. And he's like, you have us lost now. And she's like, I can read a map. Like, I can do this. And it's like... You are set up to not believe her because they don't trust her. Yeah. And then over time, the day that they go south all day yeah. and then end up in the same log, it's like you suddenly That's realize not Heather's fault. it's not Heather's like, fault. And it probably never was her fault. Because, like, I texted you in the beginning and I was like, Heather annoys me. Because yeah. she does in a way. But yeah. she's meant to. And that's yeah. upsetting. Because, like, when she's talking to people around the town – She's not giving them a minute to talk. Like I have the trying... same note. Yes. And I, I love Heather Donahue for real. But this character, like, these people around the town are trying to tell her the story of the Blair Witch. And she's just interrupting them and interrupting them. And I'm like, oh. I was like, if you want the documentary, you got to listen. <laughs> but that's what they did. They purposely made you, like, hate this character. So that way when the men turn on her in the woods, you also turn on her. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you can't get me. They turn on her in the woods. And I was like, she annoys me, but no. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I know yeah. better. Exactly. So and then, they can't get me. <laughs> so I was reading an article and it like, 
really reframed part of it for me where it was like who gets moments of grace and who doesn't and right. who is filmed crying and who isn't so there, right. she's filmed crying in several different scenes mm -hmm. but then when josh is having a breakdown understandably right. so this is not a judgment right. upon him at all but when he is losing it mike is like we can't film him crying oh, like right. that's just uh, not okay and she's like you guys did the same to me and i wrote that like, down yeah yeah and he's like you can't do that to him we have i know it I know Why? we have to leave. I know that we have to keep moving, but you can't shove a camera in his face. We have to take care of each other. And it's like, okay, cool. Why didn't you give her that same grace? Exactly. Not only that, but like when she stops to film stuff, she's, you know, yelled at. They're like, you got to stop filming. Stop worrying about your dumb documentary. But then when Mike has the camera, he goes, I see why you like this. It's like being in another world. And I'm like, yeah. so you understand why it's comforting. But when she's doing it, you got to go. You don't have time for this. But then when the other guy's crying, oh, we can't film that. Let's take five minutes. I know you want to leave, but he needs time. What? What? What's? Why is her time less valuable? Huh? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I could go on and on about poor Heather. <laughs> yeah. And I was doing a lot of you know, research on yep. this. And part of it was like when I Googled like certain search terms, it always focused on the witch. And mm -hmm. I was like, yes, the witch mm -hmm. as an archetype and the witch as a trope, like all of these things are fascinating. Right. But I'm most interested in how they treat the only female character that is seen. Yeah. I'm interested I, in the treatment and the positioning of Heather Donahue. Yeah. And I, I think that's why like, obviously now as like someone who's older, it's hard to focus on anything else because I'm yep. like... Why? Why is she treated so poorly from the start? And they're even like they got me like even I was annoyed by her because they made yeah. her unlikable. So that whole thing was wild. But I will say, though, it, it, if you can like get past this, it, it is genuinely just like a scary movie in general. As oh, well. yeah. I um, was quite unsettled when I watched yes. it last night for the second time ever. Oh my god. You know how I feel about little kids. It's come out many times. I thought I was safe. I was like, you know what? We're finally doing a movie where like I won't be afraid by a bunch of little kids. And right away, they're in the woods and it's just like hee 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 like in the woods. If one if I was working at that summer camp and one of the kids came to my tent and went is he hee hee tee hee, I'd be like, uh-uh, I'm fucking leaving. Out. Out. <laughs> There's a no giggling rule in my camp. You do not do that. I love it. So I was, because I don't remember that. I don't remember that when I watched it years ago. So when it happened this time, I was like, no more little kids. And then the trees and they're lost. Oh, it was so scary. Yeah. I'm pretty sure the first time I saw this was an undergrad on mm -hmm. like a really shitty hand-me-down TV that we had plugged into a laptop via HDMI and we're all like trying to turn it out but we don't have a remote and like people keep coming in the dorm room and we're like shut up we're watching a movie right so you're like no it was scary I bet like yeah I was just like I was unimpressed I was like eh, it's scary Same. because I'm easily scared now but, here's the other thing I did watch this with like a guy once that I was like kind of dating and he was like it's my favorite movie and at that point he was like being super rude to me during the day so I was like you know what no matter what he says I'm gonna tell him this movie sucks <laughs> <laughs> so I, I will admit that my like my thoughts on it were a little clouded by the fact that I watched it with him and I was like this movie's stupid just because you're that. being mean to me <laughs> I love that. So then I watched it, obviously, alone. And I was like, oh, damn, this movie slaps. It's a good movie. Yep. <laughs> I'll never tell him. 
but it was a very good movie. Um, so last night I was unnerved and I was like, mm-hmm. I just need to think of things that aren't Blair Witch. I need something to calm me. So I turned on Criminal Minds. <laughs> like, I'm one of those people. Like, I am that meme where it's like, I am, I listen to true crime documentaries to unwind. To calm down. And to soothe me. I just laughed at you so hard. But you know what I did when I went to bed is I, I listened to, and that's why we drink, while going to sleep. Like, as I'm drifting to sleep, I was like, oh, yes, tell me about this murder. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> then it yep. doesn't even bother me. Well, I mean, you know what I used to fall asleep to. I love the yeah. movie From Hell. It's a good movie. And then Geppetto. Well, if anybody has a copy of Geppetto, send it to me. I can't find it. <laughs> well, okay. It's not that I can't find it. It's that I don't want to because I'm ashamed. But if someone else finds it for me send it my way that i'm cleared if someone else just happens to think that i might want it and send it to me i don't want the movie geppetto in my search history but if someone else wants to find Mm -hmm. that movie and send it to me that'd be cool thank you so much if someone also wants to send a copy of the magic flute which was a knockoff (laughs) disney movie that i watched as a child and have great memories of all right so you're not free of sin either (laughs) i'm a simple creature (laughs) send us those things please We'll get a P.O. box. You can send it there. Send me Geppetto on VHS. I want the classic. No DVDs. I'll buy a VHS for this. Oh, yeah. Um, that's our next stretch goal on Patreon. That's it's our a next VHS player. <laughs> it's a VHS player so you can watch The Magic Flute and I can watch Geppetto with Drew Carey. Someone help me. Usher is in it. What? <laughs> what? I could go on and on about Geppetto, but we're talking about Blair Witch. <laughs> I feel um, like now's time for a hard turn into tropes. Oh, yes, please. Get me out of Geppetto land and take me to tropes. <laughs> All right. So it was difficult to pull these because some mm-hmm. of them are just like, oh, yeah, cool, Wicked Witch, whatever. That's a trope. And so like, yeah. I'm sure that those are interesting tropes to dive into. But mm-hmm. I pull, I was kind of picky when I pulled them. So the first one is 20 minutes into the past. <laughs> And so this is about how the movie is filmed or, like, released in 99, but it's set in 94. Oh, and my God. It, yeah, so it's five <laughs> years previous. <laughs> and so it's the recent past. And it's often used for nostalgia or to avoid technology that will complicate things. I and see. sometimes it's also used to set it in, like, a common time frame that people understand the cultural weight of. So, like, right. placing something during the Cold War. Or placing something during oh. World War II. Like, people have, like, this mental map of that time period. Mm-hmm. So, placing right. something there can be helpful. Like, there's a reason. Okay. Yeah. And then there's also the ambiguous ending. So, we know at the beginning that they're missing. But we never right. know for sure if Mike and Heather are killed. Right. The only clue is that he says, like, he turned the kids to the wall before he killed them. So, he couldn't feel their eyes on them. Which is why Mike is on the wall. So, like, you're meant to assume, but yeah, you're right. Like, you never really see. <laughs> I don't know. And then there's the classic, be careful what you wish for. Because, like, oh. in this case, yeah. Like they just one. want to get a documentary footage. They want to get footage for a documentary of the Blair Witch. This comes at the cost of probably their lives. And it's also interesting because whenever you look at a trope, there are so many subtropes and like can be mistaken for or compared to. And so in this case, you look at different types of wish granting. Right. And so in like the cultural idea of wishes, we often have like the genie, which is, you know, white people taking over like this cultural thing. (laughs) So 
when we think of wish grinding, there's the jackass genie, the literal genie, and the genie that wants to teach you a lesson. So the jackass is just like, fuck you, I'm going to fuck you over however I can. The literal genie is like, I will give you the letter of your wish. Right. And you have to be very careful with how you phrase it. And so I kept thinking of Fairly Odd Parents, where he's like, I want parents that could care less because he just wants people to watch a scary movie. Right. And so it's like uh, Cosmo and Wanda followed the letter of the wish. It's very literal. Then there's the genie that wants to teach you a lesson. So it's a benevolent genie where it's like, I'm going to make you realize the error of your ways. Right. But in this case, it's just that, like, she wants to get documentary footage and they get it. She gets it. But it what? What cost. a great documentary it was. R.I.P. Mm-hmm. Heather. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag hell yeah. Hashtag hell yeah, Heather. And then uh, we have the bloody handprint. So obvious. this is. Over. Oh my god! And it was <laughs> like a mural in the end scene where it's in the house that was ostensibly burned <laughs> down years prior. Ugh. So I'm direct quoting from. TV tropes. Mm -hmm. In some cases, this is combined with gory discretion. We, the audience, are told there is a corpse in the room, but but all we are allowed to see is the blood. This can be worse than a clear sight of the victim, since imagination is left to supply the details. If the protagonists are following a trail of handprints, they'll be gripped by apprehension, too, thinking of what must be waiting for them at the end. But in this one, it's not, like, subverted, but it's a different take on it, because it's not, like... Hand hits the wall and slides along, leaving a streak of blood. There's handprints. So it's this childishness of finger painting. Right. Which is juxtaposed with the horror of, that's That's blood. blood. (laughs) And that's a lot of handprints. And it was, they were everywhere. And immediately I saw them and I went, those fucking kids. I was Mm -hmm. done. I was like, look at those little hands. Those little hands. Your gross little tank top. Oh my God, that tank top. Kate, don't bring it up. (laughs) It was so upsetting. I'm going to watch that movie again, and he's probably not wearing a tank top, but whatever. <laughs> Ugh, gross. Kids oh, that's scary. true, too. Where it's tank like, tops? you're, well, no. Oh. I was like, what? It is? I'll get into that later. <laughs> where it's like your memory of something, or like where you think the trope began actually didn't even happen in the movie. Where it's like the memory of Luke I am your father. He never actually said that line. Oh my god. Okay, this reminds me, speaking of, mm-hmm. a long time ago in college, you can't find them anymore, don't look for them, I used to do drunk movie reviews on YouTube. Oh my god, did you save them anywhere? No, I will, no, Nikki. don't look for them, stop. And I, I I, reviewed the movie Taxi Driver. Oh my god. And I don't remember anything about it, I was very drunk, obviously. But there was a part where this, there's like a really important scene happening where the main character's like, kind of like threatening another one or something really important is happening and there's this little kid who clearly wasn't briefed about like hey this is a movie don't look at the camera and he walks into the camera and just stares at it and he's got on his little t-shirt and he's just like hey like (laughs) and my drunk brain focused on this kid like laser focus i was like look at that kid that's hilarious couldn't think of anything else and I remember saying in the review like a million times, that kid with his ice cream, he was so funny. I loved that kid. And then my friend went back and watched it and went, nowhere does this kid have ice cream. <laughs> but in my head, I'm picturing him <laughs> licking ice cream and staring into the camera. And oh I was like, God. well, my memory is better than what really happened. You can find it. There's a clip of this kid on YouTube somewhere. I'll find it someday. Maybe we'll put it in our show notes, but there's a clip of him just, like, yes. staring into the camera. <laughs> and it was the funniest I, yeah. thing. 
I want nothing more than to put that in our show notes. Oh my Please god, but he didn't have ice cream. But I was like eight eight million times. I was just like that kid and his ice cream, my favorite part. And everyone was like, he didn't have ice cream. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, okay. Watched again. He had ice cream. <laughs> I wouldn't watch it. I was like, no, I don't want to ruin it for myself. Mm-mm. But you're right. Yes, your mind can take whatever you remember and just be like, yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, for sure. So. <sighs> The next two tropes are kind of like tied in my head because mm-hmm. one is break the haughty, and it's not H O T T Y, it's H A U G H T Y. Oh, I heard haughty. So I was it's like, like ah. yeah. And then there's the breaking speech, and mm-hmm. so the breaking speech is like the speech that absolutely ruins someone, and it's like yep. calling them out for what they are. And yep. break the haughty is someone that's confident, in control, at the top of their game, or perceiving themselves to be yeah. like the top of. Like the I pyramid. know what I'm doing. I got this. And then they're broken. So like Heather's confident. She's in control. She knows what she's doing. Yes, so she obviously does. she has to be taught a lesson Ugh. because women can't be powerful. Whatever. And then Josh, the break the haughty speech when he's sticking the camera in her face while she's crying. Yep. He's like, "What's your motivation? What's You're your lost motivation? in the woods. You're hungry. You can't find your way out. You're gonna die. Is mm-hmm. that your motivation? Like that type of thing." Right. And yeah, then. He says, like, you know, like, what's your motivation, blah, blah, blah. You keep filming this. You keep filming this. And then finally she just screams, it's all I have left. Yeah. And I was like, oh, fuck. I'm so sorry, Heather. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he, like, hit the nail on the head where he was like, this is, like, a different reality. So you feel like you are not experiencing right. it if you're being it through the camera. So it's like, And she's like, get this it? is all I have left. If I see it through this, I'm not seeing it with my eyes. Mm-hmm. Like, I get it. <laughs> and I can see that. Like, I can yeah. totally feel what, yeah. It feels So better. then. We have the butt monkey trope. Okay, well, explain. Yep, yep. I had to. I had to do a quick love this that. already. Big fan. And so it's like this person that is the butt of all of Fate's jokes. Where it's okay. like for some reason Fate is like, no, screw you though, and everything oh, yeah. bad happens to that person. And this person is not the jerk because in that case it's a different trope where the jerk gets what's coming to them. Right. And so in this case, is it- after Josh knocks over a cairn on accident. He is the target of the Blair Witch because remember when like his pack is yes. like thrown everywhere and there's like black goop on he's it. The goop all over his water. Mm-hmm. He's freaking out about it for like yeah. two scenes. Yeah. And there's never like the first night they're camping, nothing weird happens. It no. doesn't start until he accidentally knocks over a can. No, what what was the can that he knocks over? See, I don't remember this. So uh <clears throat> it's those piles of stone. There are seven oh, piles to yeah. show, like, the seven children that right. were dead oh in, like, one God, of the original those kids. Okay. Yeah. And then there's the callback. So the callback is, like, to bring back something relevant, but it's more right. than a running gag. So it's not just, like, played for laughs. It's actually something relevant. So in this case, it's a callback to what Rustin Parr did to the children. So oh. when he, like, brought them in by pairs and had one look into the corner. Right. Yeah. So... That's the callback is when you see Mike standing with his face in the corner in like the. Is scene. that Mike? That's not Josh. No, it's Mike. Josh it is, is uh, deadified earlier. He's the one that's like teeth are pulled out or whatever. Right. Okay. I just couldn't remember. I I couldn't tell with the camera. I was like, is that Mike? Oh um, yeah. Josh okay. is lankier. Josh. Yeah. Yeah. He's like tall and yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Got it. This is a really short one, but it's Captain Obvious self-evident statements where she's like. There are voices, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, cool. Thanks for telling us what we already knew. What's okay. funny about that, too, though, I like, though. Mm-hmm. I liked when they did that with Josh, when he, like, disappeared. Because, obviously, he's screaming. He's screaming, help me, help me. And they're like, 
okay, we got to help him. But then Mike says, like, well, if that was him, he'd say where he was. Yep. And in my head, I was like, yeah, for sure. But I was still like, if that was happening? Like, <laughs> yeah. so I liked that. I liked that they said it to be like, keep ourselves sane. Like, they were like, if we don't, like, we, we can't. Like, yep. that was a good one. I like that. Yeah. And then there's uh, chewing the scenery. So this is one of those, like, classic tropes where it's someone is acting with emphasis, very extreme emotions. <laughs> and there are a lot of different ways to chew the scenery. There's one where it can be so bad that it's good. It's just memeable. It's dreadful. Or it's actually good. Right. So in this case, the chewing the scenery moment is Heather's videotaped apology. Apparently, right. it was mean to death. And there's also it the was. parodies. And there's also the pornos because rule 34. <laughs> and no. apparently, her acting is in this scene is why some people believed it to be true. Aside from like all the viral marketing well, stuff, that's... like her acting was so gritty <laughs> yes with well, the snot with the snot and see that's yeah. another thing that like people were like oh it was like the worst acting blah blah and i was like do you think that or did you just see all of the parodies of it so yep. now your mind is cluttered with the parodies and you're watching it because that's what happened to me i remember yep. watching the parodies as a younger kid because it came out when i was young then i saw it and i was like oh my god blah 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 this is so stupid blah. but then i watched it again and i was like this is great yeah. this is someone talking to a camera with no regard for being like well it's a movie i gotta look good they were like yeah. i'm gonna show who i am and what i'm feeling right now yep and that was so great so yeah um hell yeah good for her i love that yeah. scene i don't care what anyone says good for you know what bring on the snot more snot i say see i have such a visceral negative reaction to snot <laughs> but i do agree with your uh emotion yeah. in calling for more snot you're yes. behind me just i get it i get it i'm more behind snot. you so i can't see the snot bring it on yeah don't look at so, it just uh, just, just approve of it. it just appreciate it from afar yeah, yeah, yeah. i'll look at eyes. it you just think about it well don't think about it you don't like that either <laughs> i don't like that either the, i think we have a good thing going though yeah, yeah we're, okay. good, we're good we're good <laughs> so i mentioned this earlier and it's the cluster f-bomb trope they yes. use the word fuck a lot oh my part of this is probably because large swaths of this movie was unscripted right and what do you do when you don't know what to say fuck just say fuck yeah <laughs> Uh, then there's the trope, which I feel like is self-explanatory. Don't go in the woods. Don't go in the woods. Yeah. I, in my notes, I wrote, don't scream into the woods. I the wrote that in my notes so many times. I was like, why are you scared? Like, first of all, not victim blaming. Because, like, no. it's not her fault. Anything it's that not. happened, like, that someone chose to harm them. But also, it's like that... That like as when you're socialized as a woman, you're like trained to do so many things, and one of those is like don't draw attention to yourself yeah. from potential attackers. Attackers, don't go into the woods alone. Don't go into the woods when you're the only woman. <laughs> right, like so many it things. Doesn't matter it's how like, don't you trust someone. Don't go. And that was my reaction. Is like she hears something in the woods. This is the first night before everything has really, or first or second before everything has gone to hell, and it's still like, oh, what could that be? Could it be locals? Could it be a witch? Could it be whatever? And instead of, like, listening for a long time and trying to figure it out, Heather gets out of the tent and starts screaming, hello? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was stressed. I was like, Heather, yeah. don't yell into the woods. Mm -hmm. I get that it's probably in this situation a witch and it doesn't matter what you do. But if that was a local, that helps them find you easier. That helps them narrow down like okay well let's go towards the voice oh obviously they're scared this is working let's keep doing it so she's yelled into the woods i was like stop it <laughs> i was like yeah. don't do this and i know it's a movie so i get it but i was like stop further yeah. 
And it like that feeds into two things in my brain, where one is like when you're watching horror movies and you're like, "Don't go upstairs." Yeah, you have like limited you know. methods of egress. But then it's the other part is like we are two women that are cisgender and socialized as women, so it's like right. we are taught with all of these things. Like, don't make it easier to find you when someone yeah. is after you. And so, like, we have these things in our brain that it's like you're violating the rules that we learned. Yes, it's wild that you learn those too, right? Mm-hmm. I was walking with friends one night to like go to a restaurant or something and the men were walking so fast or so slow and we were walking really fast and they were like that's so funny you guys are so fast and i was like we have to be fast for safety. because we need to get somewhere quick where there are other people yeah and they were like oh we didn't think of it like that and i was like yeah like you were taught even if you're not taught with words you were taught in actions to be like yes. if you're alone at night you walk quickly you get to where you need to be as fast as possible that's how you do it and i was just like that's not normal for you? Oh, right. You're a man. Like, I get mm-hmm. it. <laughs> yeah. Sucks. But yeah, like, I was like, Heather, you're breaking all the rules. I was like, Heather, the rules. <laughs> yeah. And that's that internalized misogyny. It is. It <laughs> totally is. And that's not fair. No. But, but yeah. That's how it One is. of my notes was like, is Heather actually unlikable or is it because of internalized misogyny? And I just Literally. kept writing that. <laughs> and that's what it was. Because like, um, as soon as she starts like taking charge, I was like, oh, she's kind of bossy. And then I was like, or is she just a woman who is doing things that a man would do and it would be totally fine? Mm-hmm. Except when she interrupts the people. If anyone did that, I'd be like, yo, chill. She, <laughs> she wouldn't stop angry. interrupting them. And I was like, even a woman can have a personality trait we don't like. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> but everything else, when she is in the woods, I was like, no, this is bullshit. So This is like one of my nerd throwbacks, but I was on the student newspaper in high school like i was mm-hmm. the opinions editor for like a year two years i don't know i was on newspaper for, th- for three and a half years i was news I editor than I was. <laughs> uh and no one is surprised that i was the opinions editor because <laughs> i have lots of those <laughs> but like one of the biggest things you learn in interviewing is don't interrupt them let them follow their yeah. train of thought all the way through and ask follow-up questions based on what they say Right. And I know that it is hard for other people. Like, this comes from experience. Like, I have ADHD. So, like, Mm. if you say something and it triggers something in my brain to be like, oh, I want to talk about that, I have to get it out now or else I'll forget. So, like, I totally understand that there are times when interrupting people isn't done with, like, malice or, like, I don't want to hear what you're having to say. I'm bored. It's like, if I don't say this now, I'll never remember it. So, like, I get that it happens, but she was doing it so much to these people. And I was like, if this was a documentary and I was watching it and the person was like, okay, tell me about the Blair Witch. And then they started talking. You were like, okay, but what about? (laughs) I'd be like, okay, I can't. (laughs) So, yeah, I was like, that was the only part where I was like, all right, Heather, I'm not on board now. But don't worry, you won me back. I love you. Another kiss for Heather. (laughs) Another kiss for Heather. So the next trope is Eldritch Location. So we've talked about like Eldritch Horror, where it's like this unimaginable, but Eldritch Location is this place that does not follow the rules of reality or physics. And you see that when like they go south all day and they end up back at the same log. Yep. Or they go east and it happens again, or they follow the creek and they end up at the same place. And so like whenever I'm like researching a trope, I also look into all of the examples of the trope. Like I scroll through and... I have not seen many movies. And so I'm like, what about the books? What about the podcasts? <laughs> and so one podcast that does this out of many is Tannis. 
I love tennis. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's this kind of eldritch location where it mm-hmm. changes and distance yeah. is different. Time is different. And you see that with the way that, yeah. like, I know I've said this a few times, but in my interpretation, they're gaslit. Because, oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, they're gaslit to purposefully make Heather look bad so that yeah. they'll turn on each other. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole reason. Um, mm-hmm. Getting rid of the map. I mean, they blame oh, Heather immediately. And Mike doesn't speak up, but he knows that he lost it. He knows for a fact that he kicked it into the creek. But they don't tell you that. They don't show you that. There's no mention of it until he says it because they want you to hate Heather. So, yeah, you're mm-hmm. gaslit to be like, yep. are they lost? Did she lose it? Did she do this? Um, and this takes it back to the trees moving, which, like, I could be wrong. And the only reason I say this is because the spinoff or remake or whatever does this purposefully. The trees move. Um, them being lost in this Eldridge location is done a lot more, like, mm. obviously in the remake. Um, so that's why I was like, well, maybe that is purposeful. You hear the trees, like, crackling, and you hear the branches crack, and it doesn't sound like someone walking. It's too loud. So in my mind, I was like, well, the woods are moving around them to be like, they'll never find their way out because they're back where they started. And that's so scary. That's one of my biggest fears is just being somewhere and not finding your way out oh it's so upsetting (laughs) okay so that is so cool and this is an audio medium so you couldn't see but i literally put my hand over my mouth because as nikki was describing this i was like what (laughs) that was one of my biggest loves of this movie is that because the camera is so shaky and purposefully supposed to be ominous that they don't show stuff because they they can't like you're seeing what they see with this camera they had to do so much work with the audio, and I love audio. <laughs> so as soon as it was like, you got to listen to figure out what's going on, I was like, yeah, I love this movie. I was in from the, from the start. I started it, and I was like, I'm going to love this, because as soon as the camera was so shaky that I was like, well, I can't watch this. It's too shaky, so I'll just listen. Then you hear the trees crack. You hear the kids laugh. You don't hear people walk very often. You really just hear things happen to their tent, things happen to the branches. So if it's not walking, what's it doing? That's what's so upsetting. Like, (laughs) they did a good job. I love that. Right? Isn't that just so upsetting? Because you don't hear footsteps too often. You hear it a little bit, but you hear them say, like, I heard a cackle. I heard kids laughing. I heard the branches. But never once do you really hear them say, like, well, I heard them walking outside the tent. What's going on if it's not walking around? <laughs> oh, that's I love. Yeah, because, I mean, I listen to a lot of podcasts that are like, um, like, just basically like audiobooks, really, yeah. where it's just a story and they use audio to purposely make it like really, really immersive and intense. And that's what this felt like to me was basically like a podcast where you could like watch something as well, which oh, is a movie. That. I get it. But it was so intense in the audio that it felt more like a podcast than a movie. Um. I loved it. Imagine a podcast host really enjoys imagine. thinking of things as podcasts. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> Could you? <laughs> my The amount of things I subscribe to, the amount of podcasts I've oh subscribed. It's getting out of hand and I don't know what to do. Every <laughs> I, time there's I not enough phones. time in the day. No, every time I move phones, I start from scratch. It's yes. like, okay, I guess You're I'll free. only remember the 20 podcasts that I listen to every week. And <laughs> then the longer I have the phone, I subscribe to over 100 podcasts. Same. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I'm like, just free me from this hell. Yeah. <laughs> I get a new phone. I'm like, this is it from scratch. I'm just going to subscribe mm-hmm. to like two or three. And then I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, speaking of, subscribe to our podcast. Like, <laughs> yeah. That would help us a ton. Yeah, no. Like, what? You already subscribed to what? Like 30, 40? What's another one? Just throw What's it in. More? Come on. <laughs> We're so, so funny. <laughs> We like to think so. I definitely think so. <laughs> oh, no, I totally think so. <laughs> uh, so I don't remember what reminded me of this, but it was something you said about, like, the visual not being reliable because it's shaky cam and it's supposed to right. be that. So there's a part where they are literally running through the woods. It's right after the tent thing. Mm-hmm. And Heather yells, what the fuck is that? And... The fuck is that thing that she was talking about was literally a man that they hired got telling her to stand in the woods wearing all white long johns so that he would look like a glowing apparition. And they could never get the cameras to pick it up. Yeah, because I didn't see it. No, no one sees it. But that's even (laughs) better. The cameras didn't pick it up. But like she sees it and she yells, what the fuck is that? And none of us know because we can't see it. Yeah. Um, and another thing that they did also is they they purposely make it a little bit confusing when they switch between cameras because you mm. don't know who has which camera. And at the end, I could be wrong about this. Maybe I just missed it. But Mike falls to the ground. Mike's mm-hmm. holding his camera. You hear him talking. He's falling to the ground. Also, you're hearing voices coming from every direction. Oh, sorry. I hit my mic. Uh, you're hearing voices come from every direction. You're seeing them run around, but you don't know who is who because they're doing it yep. so quick. And the you see... Yeah, so you see Mike fall to the ground, right? You see his camera fall. Then you see a camera walking around, but you're hearing Heather's voice from far away. Yeah. So whose camera is that? Because if it was hers, you would hear her and it would be like when she had the camera and she was screaming in the woods, what the fuck, what the fuck? It's it's like distorted because it's so loud and close to the camera, but it's not distorted. So who has that camera that was one of my favorite parts in the whole movie because you're like, who's carrying this? Who's walking yeah. around? Are you meant to believe that it's Heather? Because if you are, why is she screaming from so far away? Then you see Mike and he's in the corner, not yeah. holding a camera. Oh, And it's again, the ambiguity is scary. That is what makes it so don't scary. No. And that's the thing, too, is when you see Mike holding the camera, you hear him screaming, like, we got to find Josh. We got to find Josh. And he's running, which means the camera is shaking. This camera is walking around so slow, like it knows where it's going. And they're purposefully, you know, making us feel lost in the house by switching between the cameras. Are we upstairs? Are we downstairs? Who knows? That's the whole point. But oh my god, when this camera is walking slowly around the house and you're like, that cannot be Mike, but I don't know for sure. I love that. Oh, this movie is so good. This is a beefy episode. I'm sorry. We had so much to say about the Blair Witch because it's so good. Yeah, I'm like watching the time ticker and I was like, cut cut content or we could just say we wanted to say a lot of things about this movie. <laughs> we, I know. And I keep looking at it. I'm like, I know it's long, but everyone, I'm sorry. Like this is I understand why it's such a classic and why it's people's favorite movie, because it does so much with audio and everything else that it just makes it so good. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's good stuff. So... Getting back to tropes. Oh, God. Uh, Sorry, we have more. Oh, my God. (laughs) No, you're fine. (laughs) I love this conversation. Like, listening to you talk about cameras. 
amazing because I don't pick up on that shit. Which is what I like, thought ugh, going I through that was. I don't know who's filming this. I'm confused. <laughs> Meanwhile, you are like, oh, this is like telling about the instability and like the unreliable narrator and then like the unknown carrying the camera. <laughs> Listen, there's Kate's nerd corner. And then when we get to the horror, that's just Nikki's nerd corner. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Where we talk about just camera angles. <laughs> it's incredible. The yeah. tropes that we have. Like, I'm going to mm-hmm. go through a few of these pretty quickly. Okay. There's foreshadowing. Right. obviously Duh. uh but the interesting thought about this for me was like what's the difference between foreshadowing and plot point and faux shadowing right so faux shadowing is like the f-a-u-x like faux like fake yeah and uh, like foreshadowing is when it's something that clues you into something that's going to happen but if it was not included in the movie it would not impede your understanding whereas a plot right. point is necessary to include otherwise it's naspool where it's yeah. like we have no idea where this plot came from foreshadowing is when they repeatedly tease something that you think is going to happen and then it doesn't so to oh, me foreshadowing is a subversion of foreshadowing yeah yeah right and then we have the going in circles but then you realize it's in a naturally looping location right then you have the improv which we've talked extensively about right amazing <laughs> and like it even went so far as like they had to find the actors that had been planted in burkittsville <laughs> Or it's like oh, they know. were even told who to talk to. They were like, you have to find the other actors. You have to interview them. Oh, my God. See, that's crazy. Yeah. That's wild. And then there's mood whiplash. So there's that scene oh, yeah. where, like, she's like, Mike, are you eating a dry leaf? And, like, they're laughing. And then, and then something it's horrific like, happens. Horrific. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then we've already talked about nothing is scarier. And then there's tempting fate. And so it's quoting from TV Tropes. When a character said something that dares the universe into making things miserable for them, and the universe (laughs) takes them up on the challenge. Oftentimes, the character is commenting on how they've hit rock bottom and how things couldn't possibly get any worse right before things turn from bad to worse. Conversely, they may talk about how things are absolutely perfect, only for their world to come crashing down five seconds later. (laughs) And this is when she's like, you know, we're going to look back on this and laugh because this is going to be funny just about to mention this because Mm -hmm. that also in my mind fell into the foreshadowing part because if you remember she says like we're all gonna look back on this and we're gonna laugh heartily and then just a few scenes later you see mike going ha 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 and he's laughing to himself and everyone's like what the fuck are you laughing at and it takes a while for him to finally say i kicked the map into the creek and that is the start of them being fucked so it reminded me of like we're gonna look back on this and laugh heartily and i'm like He's laughing heartily and nothing good is happening. Yeah. Yeah. That part for me was what stuck out when you said foreshadowing. So I was like, it's a tiny, tiny moment, but that's how it felt. It was just like, are you? Are you going to laugh? It's not going to be good. (laughs) Oh, that was crazy. Yeah. And then to wrap it up, unwitting instigator of doom. And this is when (laughs) someone does something that kickstarts the apocalypse or like, creates this chain of events where <sighs> doom occurs. And so in this case, it's when Josh accidentally kicks over the cairn. Yep. Because the, like, <sighs> entity didn't fuck with them until that point. I know. It was totally an accident. He wasn't like, F you, and, like, kicked it over no. on purpose. It was dark, and he accidentally ran into it. Oh, no. Which yeah. is so funny, because I didn't even notice that at first. But it sucks. Like, it makes yeah. it so much worse that, like, something so accidental is what causes all of this. Ugh. Such a good movie. Oh my gosh. Okay, wait. What are we going to rate this one on? 
Oh my god, I didn't prepare this in advance. See, like, one of my thoughts is, like, Wait. Cairns. Or Can it could be, it like, Shots of Scotch for Heather Donahue. <gasps> yes, this is rated If you haven't seen the scotch. movie, this is what we talked about in the beginning. When she takes a shot of scotch, not only does she make a funny face, which, like, who does it when you take a shot? Yeah. It's not the funny face that is so funny. It's how long they stay on her face. She's mm-hmm. just sitting there going, like, <laughs> for so long. How many shots of scotch do you give this, uh, do you give this movie? Listen, I want to give it five shots of scotch, I do which you too. should not do without drinking water between. <laughs> yeah, no, take a sip Don't of water that. if you're going to yeah. do five shots, but no, five but shots of scotch, honestly. I, give, yeah. I mean, I've done nothing but rave about this movie, and I know that they made Heather unlikable. That is my qualm, but yeah. I mean that, you know, it, the movie was still very, very good. Like, it had very few qualms for compared to other movies that we've done. <laughs> I will say it has had very few qualms and it damn it, it's a good movie for yeah. having little to no special effects this movie was fucking good yeah no I loved <sighs> the atmospheric horror <laughs> I love how like I'm trying to go through my notes to be like what did I write down oh this movie relishes the unseen oh, it, and it, it does I love movies that really pick up on like how awful someone's imagination can be and right. just run with that. Because, because when you like, can't see something, what you're imagining is going to be a hundred times worse. And, like, we may actually cover this at some point, but the mm-hmm. ritual, I remember I feeling very let down by the monster reveal. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't necessarily let down as much as it it just took it, it, like, took all of the things I had imagined and just threw them away. Mm-hmm. And same with um signs, which, again, we might cover. I haven't seen. You haven't seen signs. That's okay. But, like, it's similar where, like, you're hearing about the aliens. You're hearing about the aliens. You see it for the first time, and you're like, oh, that's so scary. Well, I've seen it now. Yeah. So now you know what to expect. This one never shows you, so you're always like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> All you have are just hearsay. There's also a trope. Is it magic or is it mundane? And it's like, right. you never actually know for Is sure. this a witch? Or is this just some person who lives in the woods who is like, I'm going to fuck with them? Yeah. Because they, they're getting lost. But are they getting lost because they're lost? Or are they getting mm-hmm. lost because the trees are moving at night? I don't know. Very good. Five out of five shots of scotch for this one, honestly. Yeah. I didn't think we would get to a movie that I loved this much so fast. But yeah, I I really did. That's I really stuff. did enjoy this one. Last night, as I was watching it, I was like, I don't like what I'm doing right now. But then I was like, yeah. oh, my God, I enjoyed it so much. I, like, I closed all my blinds and I was like, whatever, another scary movie. And it was just so good. But yeah, immediately. It's a classic for a reason, you know? I get it. I really do. Yeah. yeah. It won me over. <laughs> so Third with time's five shots of scotch each, yes. <laughs> that Come wraps on. up our discussion of the Blair Witch Project. If you enjoyed your time with us, we would greatly appreciate if you'd rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Perhaps follow us on Instagram and Twitter, Just Cool With It. Check out our extended show notes on our website, JustCoolWithItPod.com. Or maybe even check out our Patreon at Patreon.com slash JustCoolWithIt. And we're going to be diving into our Patreon tiers on our social media. So check out our Twitter or Instagram if you want to learn more about what our tiers look like. And what awesome rewards you can get. Hell yeah. We'd like to take this opportunity to thank... 
Kim, Kelly, and Nihar, our wonderful patrons, literal stars. Love you guys. Kisses for you. <laughs> Kisses for you. Kisses for you and Heather Donahue. <laughs> Kisses for you and Heather Donahue. It's a little poem I wrote. <laughs> Incredible. I love it. Thank you. Welcome to Just School With It, a podcast where we talk about our favorite and sometimes least favorite horror movies. Oh, fuck. I fucked it up. God How? damn it. <laughs>